I'm going to go through the terms and see if this matches in America as well. So it's, I matched with someone on the app. The person replied to my message. We had an audio call. We had a video call. <laughs> then you finally meet, you confirm whatever metrics or, you know, the look you're attracted. And then next is you're in the talking stage. Talking is literally you're just talking, you're still dating other people. And after dating is we're exclusive. So they're not seeing other people. Mm-hmm. In between the exclusive and the dating is a situationship where sure. who knows, who knows. Yeah. Then we've got so exclusive. And then afterwards is we're exclusive and seeing where it goes. And then we're in a relationship. Sure. When you meet people offline, you're not sure if they're open to dating. You're not sure if they're interested in dating. You might have just had a really good connection and they might just say, okay, sure, let's go on a date. The thing about virtual dating though is you know why people are here and you know you are not the only one. Science. Science. Technology. Technology. Medicine. Medicine. Health. Health. These four things make the world go round. Without them, we couldn't exist. This is the Monday Science Podcast, a weekly show bringing you the latest research and news in science, technology, medicine, and health, answering your questions or finding experts in the field to answer them. Your host is a pharmacist, an award-winning scientist. She leads her own research group and is the founder of King's College London Fight the Fakes. A tad bit on the qualified side. Welcome to Monday Science. Here's your host, Dr. Bahija Raimi Abraham. Hello, Monday Sciences. How are you today? In the spirit of multitasking, I'm going to summarize the next episode as I'm walking. So, this week's episode is the concluding episode with Dr. Lucas Jungvorst. Last week's episode, we focused a lot on online or virtual dating pre-pandemic. And in this concluding episode, we focus on post-pandemic, crossing the road safely, post-pandemic dating behaviours. And Dr. Jungvorst highlighted a new app, but I think it's only available in America. But anyway, let me know what you think of this episode. What is your understanding of how people's dating preferences and behaviors have changed as a result of the pandemic? Sure. I think one thing that a lot of research is pointing to is that post-pandemic, people are engaging in far more conscious dating. They are setting clear boundaries with what they're looking for and If they're looking for more of a casual go-with-the-flow dating experience or if they're looking for a committed relationship, I think they're being more upfront with those boundaries that they're having. And I think they're being more authentic versions of themselves in general. One thing that we've seen a lot with post-pandemic is a lot of people being far more upfront with things like mental health or self-care issues. And I think that speaks to just a general maturity with respect to virtual dating following the pandemic. An evolution of how people are approaching this in general 
given what we all experienced during the pandemic and trying to prioritize those things more consciously and purposefully after that, I guess not after, but following specifically those lockdown orders in particular. So I think that's a major one. Another one I'd say is, I would say there's less of a hookup culture with respect to virtual dating, which may be ties in with that conscious, more purposeful dating. Match.com actually reported some data recently. They said that 70% of all singles are looking to find a relationship. And actually, that skewed even more for men. 73% of men said they were looking for a relationship, and 66% of women said they were looking for a relationship. So it seems that men in particular have evolved to really be looking for a committed relationship. And almost about half of those surveyed in that same study said that they were more eager to find a partner now than they were pre-pandemic. So I think we're seeing a shift in terms of why are people engaging in online dating? Pre-pandemic, I think there was a lot of entertainment aspect to it. It was almost as if virtual dating was just another form of social media go on and, and swipe and pass some time and have a little fun and then bounce. But I think post-pandemic, we've seen a shift more towards purposeful dating, seeking more committed relationships. And I think that that's been a big evolution, definitely. And apart from maybe just the purposes of online dating, I think we're also seeing a shift in terms of the behaviors people are engaging in when they're virtually dating. Both Match and Tinder have reported that users are engaging in more meaningful connection, they're communicating longer with others, and they're dedicating more time and more effort to this sort of communication. So I think it's just more conscious, more purposeful, more effortful, and more meaningful after the pandemic. I saw the evidence that people took time during the lockdowns during the pandemic to work on themselves. Self-care, mental health awareness, because of the mental health impacts that the, not just COVID, the infection had, but the pandemic, the lockdown, the surrounding effects had. I can really see the connection in how people would have done that inner work and then really understand what it is they, they want. Going back to the study that I did, I found actually that people who were using virtual dating to communicate with others, to connect with others, reported less loneliness. There was a, a negative association between that meaningful connection and loneliness. Whereas if they were using virtual dating for a form of self-validation, right? I want to feel attractive. I want to feel desired and wanted. They actually had a positive association with loneliness. Those people were experiencing more loneliness. So we don't have causational data there. We can't say that it led to that, but there were these positive and negative associations suggesting that if you're using virtual dating to connect with others, to interact with others, there might be a positive, a negative, excuse me, association with loneliness. You might feel less lonely while you're doing that, which, I mean, loneliness itself is an epidemic right now, and anything that can mitigate loneliness, I think, is really valuable. So understanding that virtual dating could be a tool that helps with that, I think, gives everybody a little tool to potentially use in their own lives.
how has the pandemic affected the development and launch of new dating apps or features? Yeah, you know, and going back to something I said earlier, I think pre-pandemic, it was very text-based. You would write out messages, and that was the majority of how virtual dating looked. I think with the pandemic, we wanted to incorporate as much mimicry of in-person interaction as we could. So we saw a lot of applications and platforms build in video and auditory features into their apps. Bumble allows you to record auditory messages in your profile now so you can hear the other person and get a better sense of who this person is. And a lot of apps have now built in video chat features right into the app themselves. Pre-pandemic, if you wanted to video chat, you would have to leave the app entirely and find a separate service or platform, FaceTime or Zoom or Skype, to be able to do that. Now it's all built in. And because of that, I think it even better promotes the use of those features. You don't have to go anywhere. Just click this button, and now we can quickly be on a video chat. So we saw a lot of these kind of video and voice-based features being added. But we also saw other types of features that were popping around apps, such as virtual speed dating. A lot of applications started to do these sorts of features where on a certain day, at a certain time, if you logged in, you could be randomly paired with another user via the video chat feature and be able to interact with them that way. So even other kind of event-based features almost that tried to encourage not only the use of the apps, but that general connection. And one thing that I thought was even really interesting, Bumble put out a dating advice session where you could attend a session and they would provide you tips on how to virtually date during the pandemic in particular. So how can you use your messaging most effectively? How can you use these video and audio features to best connect with others? So it seems like they built in not only features, but kind of events entirely around understanding the features and employing the features to connect with other people. They really tried to make it so that People didn't have to leave the apps. Of course, they want your usage data. They want you to stay in the app as much as they can. So they tried to encourage you to do that through these extra features. And they're really positioning these features as being long-term additions, right? Even once slash if the pandemic ends, they're not imagining that these features are going anywhere. And not only do the platforms not imagine they're going anywhere, but virtual daters anticipate using these features even once the pandemic were to ease. In fact, Tinder reported that just under half of users said they're going to continue using the video chat features. They found that as a valuable addition, and they're going to continue using it despite the status of the pandemic. So the features, I think, have become really ingrained in virtual dating, and users, it seems, have really embraced them. Very interesting. With that in mind, those additional features, it also even circles back to the safety point as well, because that means you don't need to give your number out. If somebody wants your number, why? We can call via the app. We can video call via the app. It then means that when you do meet the person in person or exchange numbers, there's an element of safety. And maybe it also adds to 
I read this, uh, I think it was a post tweet, actually. I think somebody was saying how, gosh, you know, there's so many layers and levels now f to get into a, a actual committed relationship you've got where on the apps or the, you know online dating whatever then oh we exchange numbers oh my gosh you exchange numbers oh we met in person ah you met in person <laughs> and then yeah. it goes all the way to what is it so let me see if i can remember from the thing and you can tell me if you agree so it's oh i matched with someone on the app yay well done oh yay the person replied to my message if it's on bumble because yeah, like, sure. oh they replied well done how's it going oh yeah we had a video we spoke on the via the app we had an audio call oh wow okay next time try and go for a video call yay we had a video call yeah. then you finally meet you confirm whatever metrics or you know the look you're attracted and then next is you're in the talking stage so you're talking I don't know. If, actually, let, I'm going to go through the terms and see if this matches in America as well. So you're you're talking. So talking is literally you're just talking. You're still dating other people. Yeah. And the talking, dating, I think are comparable. So people say, oh, we're just talking. To me, if somebody says we're just talking, it doesn't have the same weighting as if they're saying they're dating, because that means they're actively engaging and doing stuff. Then mm -hmm. after dating is we're exclusive. So they're not seeing other people. Mm -hmm. in between the exclusive and the dating is a situationship where sure. who knows who knows yeah then we've got so exclusive and then afterwards is we're exclusive and seeing where it goes and then there's oh we're together now we're in a relationship sure. is that right sure. <laughs> is that similar that seems to, to track yeah it really does and i think you're bringing up an interesting thing that online dating virtual dating seems to accomplish when you meet people offline, you're not sure if they're open to dating. You're not sure if they're interested in dating. You might have just had a really good connection and they might just say, okay, sure, let's go on a date. The thing about virtual dating though is you know why people are here and you know you are not the only one. There is a wide array of people. So sure, they might talk to you, they might match with you, but there's an understanding that I'm not the only one that this is happening with. So I think that's why all those extra steps get added because we know that there are other people and we're just talking, we're just hanging out, we're just dating. Who knows? I haven't gotten the courage to ask you yet. I don't want to scare you off quite yet. All of that is now incorporated in virtual dating, wherein in traditional offline dating, some of that messiness might not be there because the nature of the game is a little bit different. You don't have those same underlying assumptions about why are we all here? What are we doing on this platform? Yeah, that's really interesting. And so how do you think the pandemic will continue to impact virtual dating? And also, are there any trends or innovations that we should look out for that are interesting and, and promising in this area? Sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things that, one of the trends I think that's going to happen with virtual dating is we're just going to see continued increases of virtual dating. We've even seen this, as I said, in the, within the past decade, an increase of even up to 20% of virtual daters. I think as the taboo of virtual dating continues to decrease and the diffusion of this technology continues to expand populations and ages and genders, I think we're just going to continue to see slow increases in usage. 
I'm not sure we're going to see as big of spikes as we saw because of the pandemic, but I think we're going to continue to see that generally increasing. I think another trend that we're going to see with virtual dating is virtual dating and that pivot to in-person dating is going to become more activity-based and less just getting to know you based. Traditionally, pre-pandemic, when you would pivot from an online space to in-person, largely you would meet at a restaurant, a coffee shop, or a bar. And you would sit across from a table and you'd ask each other scripted questions and then you would leave, right? Because of the pandemic, people were meeting and doing activities. Maybe they would meet in a public space wherein they could physically distance and they would for instance, I had a friend who all they would do when they would meet people is go on walks around a lake so they could distance, but they could do something together. So I think we're going to see this shift from the kind of sterile get-to-know-you meetings to more engaging, more activity-based interactions in these sorts of spaces. There's an app called Thursday. Do you have that in America? It's called Thursday. And sure. so if I remember correctly, the app, so you, you swipe or look at profiles in the, in the week. And then on Thursday, you see who your matches are. Oh, no, no, no. On th I think it's on Thursday. You see new matches. That's For it. Sure. And then they also host events. So being on the app gives like a ticket to go to the event. So you can meet people in person there. Yeah. But I, I think, I think it must be a UK thing where I, I don't know because I, I, I was, I wasn't sure if it would be in America. I want to write this down. I want to look into it. That's sounds... Oh yes. Thursday. That's Thursday. literally it. Yeah. I'll look it up. I guess also, I mean, that's just fun facts. Thursday's my second favorite day of the week. So I was like, hmm, why are you picking my day? <laughs> <laughs> right. Monday's my favorite, hence the name Monday Science. You can already even see examples of that. And then there was an app before. So I, I'm sounding like I'm the expert on, on the apps. No. We'll talk, we'll talk about why for another <laughs> offline. There was one like coffee, coffee chat. Coffee meets or... bagel? Yes, coffee meets bagel. Coffee meets bagel. That, that was something. And then there was an activity there as well. But I, it's not, that's probably more American because I don't think at the time it took off that much in the UK. We don't like people. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I think, I think it's interesting to look at how other apps too have developed that really reinforce some of these shifting trends we're seeing in virtual dating. I mean, one of the biggest trends I think that the pandemic has brought for virtual dating is the increase in authenticity, being true to yourself, being your real self. And I'm not sure if you all have this in the UK, the app Be Real. No, Be Real. This. No, I don't think we do. Let so me in America, this really skyrocketed last year at the end of last year, maybe between August over the summer, maybe even June through October. It's an app where you can take a selfie of yourself, but it also takes a picture of what's on the other side of the camera and then it posts both pictures. So that way you're not just creating this really curated selfie, you're also seeing what else the person, the environment the person is in to get a true and authentic snapshot of what that person is doing or experiencing right in that moment. Oh, this, this is interesting. So prior to recording, I actually ran to the gym and had a sure. workout and in the gym <laughs> such a random word. in the gym there was this 
girl that was on the treadmill because I was I was doing my warm up because I was like I must get a workout in today before just you know when you just like part of my own yeah. self care practice I was like I must get a workout in today, and this girl was she had an she was on the treadmill. And she had her phone and it had all these, because I've just looked at the interface of this app and yeah. she had, it was a, the app had all these circles, the interface, and it was taking pictures of her. And then when it came up, it also had the picture of the gym. So yeah. I was panicking because I was there to work out. I'm not looking sure. beautiful in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so I'm doing my warm up. I don't know why I'm narrating it through the medium now. <laughs> my my warm up is more than this. but um. I was doing my warm up, so I was panicking that I was in her shot because I don't want to be in your shot. Right. But yeah, but then I saw that she did something. She posted that. I don't know if I was there. If I, if I was, hello, hi. Sure. But um, but but she posted it, and then there were notifications coming up. Yeah, and I think that just speaks to this pivot, this shift to move away from being too curated, being too perfect and trying to be more real, be a little bit more authentic about the self and your experiences. Anybody can curate a great selfie, but what are you actually experiencing in your general environment and what does that time look like? And I think we're seeing that trend not only in broadly broad technologies or broad apps, but definitely a virtual dating. I think the only worry I have with something like, let's say, the Be, Be Real app, have you watched You on Netflix? I have not, but I have had classmates of mine, students who have told me yes. I should watch it. So it's really good, but it adds to my paranoia. And I'm already obsessed with true crime and all this stuff, but not to spoil the plot. Essentially, actually, I think this new season, he's an academic. <laughs> but essentially, it's an individual who likes to stalk people. And I don't want to, I'm trying not to spoil it for you. Sure. But there's a few scenes where he's gone on the person's Instagram, let's say, and mm -hmm. then noticed that they are in a coffee shop because they've tagged the location. And then sure. from that, he's then been able to identify where they live, who they are. So I'll be honest with you, that's my paranoia, even with social media. I'm using this as a safe space to discuss this because you just don't know if you take a photo and then you're saying you're in that moment now, what could that lead to? But is that maybe yeah. that's me being paranoid. Maybe now the culture of sharing where you are, what you're doing is less around, I'm going to come and find you more. Oh, cool. That's what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I think it is important to recognize, you know, all of these features could be used for good or for evil, you know, and, and that could definitely be a way in which you could be identifying your location a little bit more, and that could be used negatively by other people, definitely, you know, it, it's a tool that has powers in both positive and negative directions, and it, it's up to people how they're going to use it, you know, a lot will use it for fun social media, but there might be a few out there who use it in ways that result in harassment, result in negative behaviors, definitely. Yeah. Well, we're now at the saddest part of the episode for me, which is the end, really. And before I release you back to your lecturing and your research and exciting work that you're doing, are there any key take-home messages that you have from everything we've talked about? Yeah, I think... One take home is if you are hesitant or if you're skeptical, release that a little bit. If you've been fighting against virtual dating, thinking that 
I need to meet someone in person. Traditional dating and relationship formation is the only way to go. I would consider attempting virtual dating if you're motivated to engage in finding that committed romantic relationship. There's a decent amount of evidence that says that we can meet powerful, meaningful matches online and that those result in satisfactory relationships that last and that are durable and stable. So for any of the skeptic listeners out there, release that a little bit. I think this shift from pre to post pandemic has alleviated a lot of those concerns, built in additional features that should allow people to smoothly transition into virtual dating. I'd say also importantly though, if you're interested in virtual dating, do so for the right reasons. If you are just interested in swiping through profiles and passing time, my research and others suggest that that will not play out well for you. You will experience negative mental health outcomes. So it's really predicated on the idea that you should be engaging in virtual dating for the reasons that it was created for to create meaningful relationships, to communicate purposefully with others, and to be directed towards that romantic relationship that you're searching for. So use it, but use it for the right reasons. I think that that's really important. And then also be your authentic self. Research says that not only is that the shift that's happening, but research really shows that people appreciate that authenticity. It's in those moments of messiness that your true self gets revealed. And it's your true self that's going to attract the best matches. So set your boundaries and be honest about your boundaries. Be clear about what you're looking for and what you're not looking for. And be honest about who you are in terms of your romantic relationship searches. That's going to be the best way to really get the matches you're looking for and potentially move towards that committed relationship. To the Monday Science Podcast, a weekly show bringing you the latest research and news in science, technology, medicine, and health. We hope you've gotten some useful and thought provoking info from the show, and we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on our website at www.mondaysciencepodcast.com. Shoot us an email at info at mondaysciencepodcast.com. Find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Monday Science. And access episode summaries at mondayscience.medium.com. See you next week on the Monday Science Podcast.